much that we can come and worship you together today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. And we pray now that uh, just feel a great move of your Holy Spirit in our hearts. That your Holy Spirit, Lord, would move in our hearts and teach us today from your word. Teach us, Lord, how to how to love. How to love you more with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, how to love our neighbor as ourselves and to serve one another through love. And doing these things, Lord, show the world that we are yours and magnify your name, Jesus. And we confess that uh, we can't do this in our own flesh. We desperately need you. And we're nothing without you. And so help us now, Lord. Fill us with your spirit in this time. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please open your Bibles to the book of Galatians. We are in chapter 6, book of Galatians, chapter 6. And Galatians chapter 6 has been showing us several practical ways we can live and walk by the Spirit of God in our lives. Remember from chapter 5, we saw the contrast between a life that is led by the flesh and a life that is led by the Spirit. When we're being led by the flesh, we do all the ungodly things that we know grieve the Spirit of God in our lives. A life in the flesh is one that's filled with things like sexual immorality and impurity, sensuality and idolatry, sorcery, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. All of these things are done to satisfy our fleshly desires, which are never truly satisfied. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, period. Now, a life led by the Spirit is the opposite of these things. When you walk in step with the Spirit of God in your life, you have love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against those things. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. We saw last time how to walk by the Spirit by helping each other when one of us falls to sin. And in that situation, our goal, our desire is to be able to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. To pick up that one who has fallen to sin and bear the load of their recovery and restoration with them, right alongside of them. Helping them get back to a right walk with God in a spirit of gentleness. Our text today gives us two more practical ways of walking by the Spirit. First, we'll see how to walk by the Spirit by providing for your pastors and those who labor to teach you the Word of God. Next, we'll see how to walk by the Spirit by doing good to everyone and living to love your neighbor as yourself. So let's look at Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 6, and I'll read verses 6 through 10. It says, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. 
For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so we see, starting at verse 6, that you need to support your pastors. It says very clearly, let whom who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. And so here it is, the awkward message that I preach to you. Saying, <laughs> say, give your pastors money. There it is, right there, bang. And just you, in case you think I'm saying this just to get more money, I'm, I'm just teaching you here what the text says. The text says it clearly. This isn't my opinion, this is what the Word of God says. I have no personal agenda here. And that's one of the benefits of expository preaching. We go line by line, verse by verse through the Bible, we learn the full counsel of God's Word, and it keeps me from preaching a sermon like this just on a whim, whatever I feel like I want to raise. <laughs> so uh, there it is. Now paying those who preach and teach God's Word is not a new teaching in the Bible. <clears throat> it's all over the Bible, and there are many instructions throughout the Scripture, teaching that those who serve the Lord in the ministry, especially those who preach and teach God's Word, should be paid and cared for by the people in the church. 1 Timothy 5 says this, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. 1 Corinthians 9 says this, Whoever goes to war, whoever goes to war at his own expense. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Do I say these things as a mere man? Or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. So there it is again. The ox needs to be fed. So here I am standing as an ox preaching the word. <clears throat> and so while I'm working and laboring in the word, I need to be fed is what the point of the text is. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it all together for our sakes? For, well, for our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope. And he who threshes in hope should be the partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing that we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, and those who serve the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. And so the worker is worthy of his wages. Pastors, especially those who teach God's word, should be paid and cared for by the people of the church. Why? So they can focus on this difficult and important work. 
This is a specific way in which we walk in the Spirit and bear one another's burdens. Don't forget the context of where we are in Galatians. He's talking about bearing one another's burdens, walking in the Spirit, serving one another through love, taking good care of your pastors is a way you do that. I can share with you that a typical sermon takes me anywhere from 15 to 20 hours per week to put together. Think about that. Think about your life and all the things that you do in a week. Now, a lot of us out here might spend that much time on TikTok. <laughs> but that's about how much time it takes to put a good sermon together. 15 to 20 hours each week. There's much time in prayer, meditating over God's word, labor in study. I can tell you it is work. It is labor. You start digging into that text and you're like, oh, and then you go over here and you go over here and you go over here and you're over here. And the next thing you know, you're like you're 10, 15 hours into this thing. You're like, oh, what am I going to preach on Sunday? There's so much. It's like this iceberg of God. And, and what I deliver here on a Sunday morning is just that little tip of the iceberg. Under the water is this massive structure, this huge learning of God's word. And all I have time to deliver is just this little tip. Of the iceberg. My notes are extensive. For a five-page sermon, it's probably 20 pages of notes. And that's just how it is in sermon preparation. And your pastors, we labor in God's Word. We're not the kind of pastors who search the internet for sermons and then just read you someone else's sermon. That happens. We don't do that. We labor in God's Word. We work at it. We grapple with it, wrestle with it. And we stand up here in fear and trembling most times, praying that we get it right, because we care. Now, we, as Paul, we have voluntarily laid aside the right of a salary for this labor so as not to put financial strain on this little church. This is a little church, <clears throat> and this little church has been around for 12 years, largely because of that, because <clears throat> we've had times when we had enough money to to pay for the bills and the utilities, and that was it. There was no money left over for pastor's salaries. So this little church has worked largely because of that. And so we voluntarily laid that aside so that the gospel could go forth here in Youngsville. We could plant this little church. <clears throat> Each of us has jobs, full-time jobs, aside from what we do in the work of the ministry here. And we have families to care for. Lots of kids. I have seven children. Jared's got a mess of them of his own. He's got a mess of kids over there. Rob's got adult kids. Got, we have families to care for, too. We have lives just like you. And full-time jobs. And prepare sermons. It's a great work that the Lord has led us to, and we love it. We love it. We wouldn't do anything else. We don't do it because it's convenient because it builds our reputation. No, none of that. We do it because we love it and we love you. That's why we do it. Now, with that understood, the application here is that as a congregation, you should give generously to this church and the ministry of this church to support the ministry of the word and doctrine here. And I'm thankful that many of you do joyfully give as an act of love and worship to the Lord Jesus. Giving is an act of worship. 
and there are many spiritual blessings as a result of it. So give joyfully, give cheerfully, and worship to God. <clears throat> now let's continue verse 7. You'll see the results of this. And really the point here is that sow to the Spirit and live. Sow to the Spirit and live. Verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So you see, God blesses with you and me with money for a purpose. We're given money for a purpose. Now the world teaches us to get as much money as we can and spend it on yourself to satisfy your own desires. That's what the world teaches us to do. Get as much as you can, run as hard as you can, run as fast as you can, get as much money as you possibly can, and then spend it on yourself. Have fun. Get all the fleshly desires satisfied, but you know as well as I do that the more you have, the more you want, and you're never satisfied. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear with hearing. I can testify over the 48 years of my life, I'm never satisfied. The more you get, the more you want. Never, ever satisfied in the flesh. But God teaches us differently. God teaches us that money is given for the purpose of providing for our basic needs and the needs of others. That's God's perspective on money. We're just managers of it. He owns all of it. And he gives us each according to our need. And then if we get a little bit of extra, it's for the purpose of blessing others, mostly, not for spending it all on ourselves. We don't live for ourselves. We don't live to only please ourselves. But we're to consider others more important than ourselves and seek to serve them through love. That's what we've been learning all through Galatians, especially in the last part of this book. That as we're led by the Spirit of God in our lives, we will love our neighbor as ourselves. This is how you love your neighbor. So here we see that if church members sow to the Spirit by giving solid practical support to the church's ministry, especially in teaching and preaching, they will in time bring in a harvest. Poor Junior. I know, it's hard to share, Junior. I love Junior. And so... The ministry of the Word of God builds up people in our communities. It's what it does. God's Word needs to be preached. Churches need to be planted. The Word of God needs to go forth because it builds up our communities and our people. So, by supporting the preaching ministry of God's Word, you will be saving up lasting treasure in heaven that never decays or rots. If you sow to the flesh, then you will have to, all you have to show for it will be corruption and decay. That's what the text is telling us today. It's the principle of you reap what you sow, and it's found all throughout the scripture. Job chapter 4 says, Those who plow iniquity and sow trouble will reap the same. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 9 says this, he, he who sows sparingly. So to sow is the picture of this. It's not sowing, like with a needle and thread. 
when you sow, you take seed and you scatter the seed on the ground. The seed falls on the ground, it's covered over with the dirt, the rain comes, God causes it to grow. That is what sowing is. So you reap what you sow. You sow good seed, you plant good seed, a good tree grows and fruit is born. You scatter weeds, you get weeds. It's a very simple principle, not complicated at all. So he's talking about here. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. So if you hold all the seeds back, and oh, I gotta, I gotta have all these seeds, and I gotta keep building bigger barns to put them all in, you just hold it all back and hoard it up, then you will not reap a, big, a, a large harvest. It's just that simple. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, which means a lot, put a lot of seed out, you will reap bountifully. And so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So when you give, your attitude matters, right? Attitude matters. You can't just show up and give and say, oh, here's another check to the church. Always asking for money. I took the wrong Sunday to come. Better just do this and get it over with. That's not, just keep it, right? Just keep it. God is not, not satisfied, not pleased with an offering like that. Or to just go through the motions like, yep, okay, here's my spiritual checklist. Okay, go to church, check. Uh, wrote the check, check. Uh, got to shake a hand, check, you know, all these different things. That, that isn't going to get it either. God cares about your heart. Our attitude matters. You know, it's the same thing, you know, when you ask your kids to do stuff around the house. You know, one, one way we want to do what they're told when they're told with a good attitude. That's, that's obedience. And so, yeah, I'll take out the trash. Rolling her eyes. Are you pleased with that service as a parent? Not really. Yeah, the trash got taken out. But, like, I don't even want to ask. <laughs> Let's do it myself. And so the attitude matters. The attitude in our giving matters. God loves a cheerful giver. So give with joy. Give generously with a joyful heart. Now, don't be misled, the text tells us. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All will have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth in him, that reaps a harvest of real life, eternal life. And that's what the text tells us here. One who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Look at verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Now people have an amazing tendency to get tired of the same old thing. Remember the first day of your beach vacation? Some of you have been to the beach, some of you even recently. First day of the beach vacation. Remember how magnificent the waves seemed? And you just smell the ocean air, and even the grains of sand look kind of beautiful, and the shells, and that gorgeous sunset or sunrise. 
that's day one, right? You're just so, oh man, you're soaking it all in. But by the last day, you just like don't see all that stuff anymore. It's like, well, I'm kind of ready to get home. You just kind of get tired of it. Sand's getting on my nerves. It's kind of hard to keep up everything. Man, when are we going home? Right? You kind of get tired of it. You don't even notice that stuff anymore. <clears throat> and that sun rises, it blares right in through the window. We forgot to shut the blinds. Woke me up early. Remember your first day on a new job? How excited you were and how enthusiastic you were about this wonderful new opportunity that was right here before you. So excited about it. Couldn't wait to go to the new job and everything that it had in store. And now some of us can't wait to get out of there. It's like, oh, when is my break? When is this over? We're tired of it. We just grow weary of it. We grow tired of it. You know, as time passes, activities that we once pursued out of a motivation of love and worship to God and Jesus can even turn into burdens. We just do them out of a motivation of duty or obligation. We grow weary in doing good. And so here we're encouraged to persevere in the faith throughout our lives in order to reap a bountiful, beautiful harvest, a spiritual harvest. You know, the Christian life is not a sprint. It's a long-distance marathon. For my swimmers, it's like swimming the 1600. It's not a sprint. you got to press on. The Lord expects us to press on by faith for the long haul in order to win the race and receive the prize. And so do not give up on doing good, for it's those who do not lose heart that will reap eternal life. And so how is it that we continue and not grow weary? How is it that we don't give up? It's by the Spirit of God in our lives, that's how. And then that's the whole context of what we're reading here. This is all, remember, going back to being led by the Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit of God in our lives. There are many times in the Christian life that we just feel tired. And I feel it more every day. <laughs> Some days I'm just like, man, I'm tired. Tired, tired of this world, especially now in the situation that we're in. I'm just tired of it. I don't want to check those COVID numbers one more day. I don't want to read that news headline anymore. I'm just tired. Tired of the world. Tired of all the sin and the evil that surrounds us. Just tired of it. Tired of the suffering, the heartache, and the pain. And let's face it, you know, serving and caring for others is tiring. <laughs> I have a big family. Lots of children. It's tiring. I go to bed at like 9 o'clock at night now. <laughs> like, man, I'm old. I'm tired. Like, wow. You know, when you pour out yourself like this in the service of others, you can just truly wear yourself out. And I've seen it in, in many lives over the years. And so that's why Paul's encouraging us here today. Walk 
in the spirit. Be led by the spirit. And it's when we walk in the spirit and are led by the spirit, we can press on. And we can say, yes, God, carry me through this. Yes, God, I will continue. I will not give up, God, because I know you're carrying me. And even when we're not feeling it, maybe emotionally, we can cry out to God and say, God, I, I, fill me with your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I need it. I need it, God. And God hears us. He cares. And he does that. And somehow we're able to make it through another day and another day and another day and we're able to see that person who has a need and despite how tired we are we can help them because we're not walking in our own strength at that point he's carrying us and he is the one enabling us to press on and not grow weary in doing good it's by his spirit <clears throat> but without the filling of god's spirit We'll just want to give up. And I've seen people give up. I'm not doing this anymore. And they do various things to express that. But if we are led by the Spirit and we walk in the Spirit, God will carry us through. So press on. Do not grow weary in doing good. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus in his kingdom and reap the harvest of our labor for his glory. Remember, we reap what we sow. So if you stay, start saying, I'm feeling so tired and I'm not going to sow anymore. I'm going to sow sparingly. I'm just going to hold it all back now. I can't do it. Then the word is true. You will reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully eternal life. And when we see Jesus, it will be worth it all. It'll be worth it all. There will be a time when we see Jesus face to face. Don't ever forget that. We will see him face to face. And that time is described in Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 31. Jesus says this, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. So just imagine this scene. Jesus has come back. All his glorious angels are with him, and he is taking his seat on his glorious throne as King of kings, Lord of lords over all. Before him will be gathered all the nations, that's you and me and all of us, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a, a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right. So he'll say, okay, you know, all these people are going over here. And he'll probably just supernaturally move us. Because <laughs> everyone will raise their hand, I'm a sheep, I'm a sheep, I'm a sheep. No, you're not, sorry. He's going to probably supernaturally move us. That's just my guess. It's not in the scripture. But he's going to move. There'll be sheep on the right, goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you 
from the foundation of the world. And there'll be great rejoicing and smiling and oh, hugs, and it'll be just glorious. Yes, Jesus, this is what I live for. And now's the time. I'm inheriting the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. And that's what Jesus died for, so that we could inherit the kingdom of God, even though we're wretched sinners. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Well, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and, and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you, Lord? I don't remember seeing you, Jesus. I didn't remember seeing a long-haired guy with a beard and, and robes and everything helping that person. Jesus will answer him, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. So do you see, when we sow to the Spirit, we do it to Jesus. When we serve others through love, we're serving Jesus. You make that connection? We don't always see it that way, do we? I know I don't. This text is clear. When we do it to the least of these, we do it to Jesus. So maybe that'll help motivate some of us, right? In those times we're like, man, I don't want to do this. <laughs> That's Jesus. Oh, I better get going. <laughs> it's worth it. <clears throat> then he will say to those on his left, I don't like this part. This part... This is very, this is very sad. He will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus says that. He's a loving God, but he is also just. And there is hell. Prepared for the devil and his demons for their eternal punishment. It's prepared for them. But all you who didn't believe, all you who rejected Christ, you go there also. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? And he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will all go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So here we see clear examples from the Lord Jesus of sowing to the flesh versus sowing to the spirit. When we have opportunities to serve others through love, we need to make the most of them. 
So this starts by believing in Jesus, trusting in him for your salvation. That's God in your life and his love coming into your own heart. And that's not just to be kept in there and hoarded up. That's to flow out into love and service to others, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so when we see others that have a need, we, may, we need to make the most of meeting that need. Remember what we learned last time, bear one another's burdens. Carry them along. You others more important than yourself. That's going to the Spirit. Just like the parable of the Good Samaritan that we looked at a few weeks ago. The one who was beaten and left for dead by the robbers. <clears throat> the priest walked right on by. You know, we're just like that priest often. It's like, oh man, that guy messed up. Oh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to deal with that guy. That would make me ceremonially unclean. And I have to go to the temple. So I can't be bothered with this suffering half-dead person over here. Same with the Levite. Religious people walked right on by the person that had the need. Left them there for dead. And it was the enemy, the Samaritan. Hated by the Jews. Hate each other. Was the one that picked him up, put him on his animal, took him to the inn, gave two days of wages, two days of money to care for the man, said anything else he needs, I'll be back, I'll pay for it all. Carry that man's burden, his enemy's burden. That's neighbor love. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. Just like that Samaritan. So what about you? You know, there are opportunities all around us. We, we have just blinded ourselves, most of us. And I can tell you, you know, as we get older, we blind ourselves even more. We become more hard-hearted towards these things. I felt that in my own life. Because, you know, you've, you've served others and you've seen how some people take advantage of that. And you're like, you know, they're just trying to pull one over on me. This is just a scam. It's a con. I don't even want to listen to that anymore. And so the older we get, we just become more hard-hearted to it. I have to fight that. I'm telling you, I, I have to fight it. Even preparing this text, I've been greatly convicted. I have become very hard-hearted about this. Jaded. And I used to think when I was younger, man, why are these old people so grumpy and like don't want to help? And, man, I'm, I'm becoming that. Come on. God, help me. And now I see, because they've had the experiences, you know, they've been taken advantage of. It's like, oh, man, I don't want to do that anymore. They're just going to, this is just a scam. But, you know, there are real people with real needs, and they're all around us. So let's just, like, be attentive to that. Let's just be more open to it. Let's, let's have eyes to see and ears to hear it. And there are a lot of scams out there. And I'm not saying, you know, go after every scam and be you know, taken advantage of and that type of thing. I'm not promoting that type of thinking. But we do need to, like, just be careful and be open to helping others, to, to have the eyes to see the real needs and to meet those needs. And you know what? If you do get scammed, that's between them and God. That's not on you. You can honestly look Jesus in the face like, yep, I just wanted to honor you, Jesus. That's all I was trying to do. So what about you? 
As we leave from here today, you're going to have opportunities. You're going to have opportunities to sow to the flesh or to sow to the spirit. Pay attention. Know what you're doing. Because you won't have an excuse when you get to see Jesus face to face and say, well, I didn't know. No, you're going to be held accountable. We all are, and it matters. And so look for ways to sow to the spirit. And pray, God, help us to set our minds on you, Lord Jesus, and walk by the Spirit every moment of our lives. And then finally, wraps this up in verse 10. You know, basically, do good, love your neighbor, <clears throat> verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so this is neighbor love. This is doing good to everyone, our family. So it starts right in our families, right? Boy, there's an opportunity. And I say this a lot because we need it a lot. <laughs> We're so mean to each other in our families. We're so short with each other sometimes, and we're snappy with each other, and, you know, we're like barking at each other, and then we answer the phone, hello. <laughs> we treat total strangers better than we treat our own family. Like, what's wrong with that? Why do we do that? But we do it every day. So like, let's just start in our own family. Let's look for ways to like, oh, let's be a little extra patient with each other today. A little more gentle with each other today. A little more kind with each other today. Do good to everyone. Even that annoying brother or that prideful sister, you know, do good to everyone. Your family, your neighbors, your friends, even your enemies, everyone. Do good to everyone. And especially to other believers, he says there. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. We should especially do good to each other. We should be intentionally looking for ways we can bless each other and serve one another through love. And this is how the world knows that we follow Jesus. Not by all the things we say. Because I tell you, we, we're really good at like, having Bible verses spew out of our mouth and our Facebook feeds and all those things. And then people look at how we live and they're like, huh? Huh? I heard the way they were talking about that other person the other day. Huh? No, people will know that we love and follow Jesus by our love for each other and our doing good to each other. Jesus says it in John chapter 13. says, the new commandment I give to you that you love one another, just as I have loved you, that you also should love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. He didn't say, all will know you're my disciples by the seminary education you get, or by going to church every Sunday, or by how many times you post Bible verses on your social media feeds. No, it's by how we love each other. It's that simple. So you want to show the world Jesus? Love each other. And birds and the life match. And it's through love. And so just think about that. Just think about what could you do differently starting today? To serve and love others in your family, in this church in the larger church community in Youngsville, Lake Forest, our area. 
Some of us, we need to start by just listening for the needs of others, paying more attention to that. Oftentimes we get into a conversation and we're trying to be interesting. We're not really interested in the other person. You get the difference? So one way we could make a change is, hey, why don't I just try to be interested in their life instead of trying to be interesting to them? And listen. I close my mouth and open my ears and just listen and look around. Maybe I, I might see a need that they have. And they don't even have to say anything. I can just see the need is there. And I can work to help them with that need. We all have needs. We all have struggles. And as God's people, you know, it's really on us to put aside our pride and in humility be vulnerable with each other and grow in our love and relationships with each other and admit our struggles and ask for help and prayer so that we can really care, carry each other's burdens. We're not really good at being vulnerable. We want to look like we've got it all together. We put on our Sunday smile and and through the week, you know, we're, we're hurting, we're struggling. It's, life is hard. And so that's just one way we can make a, a simple mindset change. Is let me be interested in others more than I'm trying to be interesting to them. <clears throat> and then we might uh, understand each other's needs a little bit better. And then have a heart of compassion and mercy rather than a heart of judgment and criticism. You know, I'm afraid to be vulnerable with a lot of people because I'm afraid they're gonna judge me and criticize me. And I know you feel the same way. And so that's why we're not vulnerable with other people because we're afraid the judgment and the criticism's coming. We're afraid that we're not gonna receive love and compassion and mercy when we open up like that. Probably in the past, we have received judgment and criticism. And so it's like the kid that puts his hand on the burner. Ooh, that was hot. I burned my hand. I'm not going to do that again. So we're afraid. But there's no fear in love. And if each one of us will change our own hearts and walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, God will do a glorious work in his people and in his church. And the world will know we love Jesus because of that love and service to each other. And so it starts with faith in Christ. Do you know Jesus today? I'll close with this. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't trusted in Christ for your salvation, this is all going to sound like foreign gibberish to you. Like None of this makes any sense. So you need Christ in your life. Trust in him today. Cry out to him to forgive you of your sins and trust him as your Savior. And his Holy Spirit will come into your life and these words that once sounded stupid to you will become a precious treasure. Trust in Christ for your salvation. And for those of us who have trusted him, let's go from here being led by the Spirit. And in those moments when we're tempted, okay, here, I'm going to sow to the flesh, I'm going to sow to the Spirit. Let's just walk step by step with the Spirit. It's not even a battle anymore. Just put it aside. That has been crucified. The flesh has been crucified. It's dead. I have power over it and victory in Jesus Christ. It's no longer this epic battle. 
the wrestling smackdown. No, it's defeated. It's crucified. I have victory in Jesus, and I will walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. And the world will know how great our Lord Jesus is. Amen.